You're listening to the Inner Process Podcast with your hosts, Mike Bond and Jason Van Ruler. We're seasoned counselors and friends, and each episode we discuss topics that help us live all around healthier lives. Listen in as we share personal stories, research, and our experiences as therapists. Thank you for joining us. All right. Well, welcome back to us, Jason, and our own podcast, right? Welcome. It's great (laughs) to see you again, friend. I will say this as we begin, and this is very, very earnest what I'm about to say, and that is I am very appreciative of the people who have emailed us. I've had some people tell me in person through email and other means that they appreciate the podcast. And when are we going to do another podcast episode to which I say it's coming? I didn't realize it would be this long. That wasn't necessarily the goal, but I think we got distracted maybe. I'm not sure what the... I was playing a little hard to get. I don't know about you, but I was playing a little hard to get. Just kind of a little push-pull. Like, are we coming back? Or are we building a little excitement for the podcast? Okay. And then we forgot. So the first month we were building up excitement and then we just dropped it. That was about it. But we're back. Yeah. And the truth is we didn't forget. This is meaningful for both of us and we enjoy it. I enjoy it. I know you do. Definitely. And so hearing that people enjoyed it too really kind of spurred us to say, why aren't we doing more of that and get back into it? So here we are. Here we are. We're making no bold assertions about anything in the future, but we are here right now. We're taking our own advice, which we don't always, and that is we're just being present with it. The last few episodes that we did before we took our unintended hiatus were about trauma. Mm-hmm. And so today we wanted to extend that and they've been downloaded. Well, I think there is certainly an interest out there about the way trauma looks and impacts us. And so today we're going to talk about trauma in relationships and what that looks like, how it shows up. And then of course, I hope before we stop this, what to do with that information, because we certainly want to leave people with some hopefulness around it. Yeah. So perfect. To begin with Let's talk about what trauma is, which can be a little bit of an animal to describe, right? I will put a plug in right here for a couple of our previous episodes where we do talk about, for example, we have the trauma clarified episode, just talking about what trauma is and what it isn't and how to identify it and those types of things. But I think it'd be good to review that at this point. No, I mean, I think trauma is misunderstood a lot, right? Because it's discounted or it's amplified or there's kind of, it's like on the spectrum thing and people struggle a lot with what is it? Do I qualify? Do I not qualify? Yes. How do we explain it? So to me, most simply and probably practically is trauma is something we didn't expect, right? That was deeply painful and wounding. I think the thing that catches people so much is that it was unexpected, right? They yes. just were not ready for it. Yes. I think that's a good explanation. And on a neurological level, it is an event or a series of events that really just overwhelm our system, right? We just like in that moment, we don't have the capacity to really process what is happening. I think that's, you know, that's just to join what you're saying in the unexpected piece. I think what makes something so powerfully traumatic for us is within the event that happens that we don't expect, we don't know then therefore what to do with it. We don't have a bucket to put it in or a platform to stand it up on. And that's, I think, what makes some situations traumatic and others not. Mm-hmm. It's also why a lot of trauma, I know we're therapists, so we have to say this, but that's why a lot of trauma is childhood-based, right? Because developmentally speaking, it just makes sense. Children yep. don't have the ability to make sense of their worlds like that. We just don't have the brain development. And too often, I think, unfortunately, caregivers don't come in and provide any commentary around those events. And so it just gets stored in the body, especially, but also the mind, of course, and spirit. 
as trauma. Yeah, that lack of context, I think, is really where people get stuck as children, right? Is there's nothing to kind of explain it. And if we just right. had some explanation, we might even change our relationship with it. But a lot of times, right. for whatever reason, parents, caretakers, they're just not able to offer that up. But I love what you said about it's overwhelming and unexpected. So, right, if we have two hands, those are probably like the kind of the two key pillars is overwhelming, unexpected. Exactly. And when we have that, we all go to different places with that. Some of us mm-hmm. check out, some of us get really big and scary. Some of us go in turn, like we all do these different things, but at kind of the base of that are those two pillars, I think. I agree. I think that's very well said. And it can be difficult to determine if a negative experience was traumatic or not. The way I go about this with clients is, well, let's remember or recall those and see what happens. Like, how do you feel? Where do you feel it in your body? These types of ways of going about that, because that's usually the best indicator of whether something really has stayed with you or not. Yes. How you feel about it. Cause there's like this weird thing. I don't know if you see this with clients, but where people feel like they have to like justify it first, like I'm going to take a test. And then like, if I can just justify how I feel, then I can get some help. And it's like, Hey, I think the reason you're asking is because it's already a thing. So what if we just took that as being meaningful and serious and worked with it? Right. I don't know about you, but I don't ever look at clients like, well, you're going to have to prove to me why you're in the chair. Oh, you don't do that. <laughs> oh, shoot. No, I'm practicing the wrong not way. This not good for time. business. My okay. Friend. Okay. No. I took away something today from this then. I'll you stop did. You're that. learning. No, I'm kidding. I don't do that either. And that's what also trips people up in some ways is because trauma is, I'm going to use this term very loosely and I'll explain it, but trauma is subjective, right? Yep. There are different experiences that we have for one person, given a lot of factors that's traumatic for another person is not, there's no judgment in that. We all, I believe, undergo some levels of trauma. We live in a fallen world. It's how it works. But those interrelational traumas, which are the majority, I think, of what you and I work with, there's a lot of context is what makes those traumatic. You've already referenced the family piece and just having commentary around it makes a big difference. But I'll fast forward to the very end real quick. And that is for anyone listening to this, I get this question a fair amount, like how do I resolve or work through trauma, right? And we're going to be talking about you know, trauma and relationships. The way to work through trauma is to complete the process. It is then to take those things that were stored in completely and to process them in such a way that they are then finished so that we have meaning and understanding from them. And then they become much less traumatic if traumatic at all. Our nervous system changes at that point. So I'll just throw that out there because that is the end of this. I think sometimes we use the words like trauma resolution and people are like, well, what does that mean? Or they're like, I want that. How can I get that today? And I hear that question too, of like, well, what am I supposed to do? So you talk about a wound or trauma or like, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, that's kind of like a therapist trick because we don't tell you that part that comes after like years. But what's true is that, yeah, you change your relationship with it, right? So yes. you, you put it into context, you take your feelings and you appreciate them and accept them for what they are. And then you change your relationship. And as yeah. you said, like physiologically, then that leads to change body-wise as well, which yes. is part of this whole thing. It really does. And the way you can spot those changes, by the way, for anyone listening who is doing this work, it often shows up very much, I think, in terms of reactions and responses. We know underneath that, basically your limbic system is calming down. And so you encounter a situation and you just have a calmer, more slower, peaceful response to those situations. And people can usually compare and contrast. They can tell the difference. Hey, you know what? I know what I would have done then. And now I'm not. I just had that this week. And so it works. It really does work. But that's the way to gauge whether you're working and moving forward in the process. 
Yeah. And talking about this in terms of relationships, I mean, I think that point you just made is really one of the key points in how trauma shows up in relationships is it's kind of like if I'm talking to you like this and then you say something to me and then I just start talking like this. Right. And so I'm really, really loud compared to you. Right. right. If you're talking right now, we can barely hear you anymore because I'm way too loud for the situation. Right. Anybody hearing this is saying like, Jason, turn it down. And when I turn it down like that, we can have a conversation. Right. But we can't have it where I just was. And so I think trauma leads us to that place where our volume and our response mm -hmm. is just way too high for the situation. That's a really good way to illustrate that. And how I feel a lot in my relationship with you now that you did that, it's really very clear all of a sudden. Okay. Anyway, back, yes. back on topic. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And so why don't we talk about the ways that we experience trauma in our relationships? I think today we're going to mostly focus on the type of trauma that comes in our romantic relationships. This really, most of this can be applied to any relationship where there's care, concern, love, intimacy, all of those things. And a big one that I know you and I deal with a lot in our practice is betrayal-based trauma. And so I would like to say there was in our world, there's a lot written about this, but I'm not sure how broadly this is applied. And that is to say for anyone who's gone through a betrayal, especially a significant betrayal, like for example, an affair, right? Just to use an example, we now know that from a physiological response pattern, that is trauma to us. Our body stores that as trauma. And so I think through time, we've tended to maybe minimize the impact on us of those types of situations, but it is truly impactful on a trauma level, right? Because it's going so against the created order and what it is supposed to be breaking of those things. So I'll put that out there. I think that's some of the context that we're talking about this in, at least today. Yeah. And I think, again, kind of depending on who you are in, in that scenario, it might pay for you to say the other person shouldn't take it the way they're taking it. Right. So if you're, if you're the one that had the affair, it might be easy to say, well, this isn't trauma and you should let that go. But what's real is that that is trauma because again, overwhelming, unexpected, you know, when right. they committed to you, that wasn't part of the plan. Most of the time, you know, most people don't get married or in a committed relationship and say, Hey, like in two years, you'll probably cheat on me. And like, we'll deal with it then not usually part of it. So it comes as like this very unexpected thing. But what I see in relationships is there's kind of like this surprise about that from mm -hmm. the person who misbehaved or made poor choices or however you want to call that, they usually don't understand. It. And then it turns into, if we're not careful, a weird thing where we have to justify if it is or isn't. Yes. I think that is where that usually the process slows way down in that, I think, because also let's point out that when I'm in the presence of someone that's understandably probably dysregulated because of a trauma response, so completely justified, I myself am prone just because of the mirror neuron idea to become dysregulated as well. And oftentimes what we do in that state isn't the healthiest thing, right? For me, Probably. it's always the healthiest. But yeah, yeah, maybe you're not the you. exception. But, but no, others. it's that knee-jerk reaction. Most, most all of us it have is. terrible reactions to things like that. Yes. And so if you are the person listening to this where maybe you have had an affair or you have been the one on some level that has acted out the betrayal, just know that it's equally important in knowing kind of where your spouse or partner is and what they're going through. But you also need to be aware of yourself in response to that because your nervous system is being impacted and that's okay. 
But where it's not okay is what we're talking about. And that is then the response really isn't the healthiest. And the opposite usually of what people are trying to accomplish is then what they accomplish, which comes about responses instead of the real issue, which is rebuilding trust. And that's the problem. That's where everything right. slows down and doesn't need to. This is difficult work no matter what, but. Yeah, there's no easy way to do it, but I think being pointed in the wrong direction makes it even more challenging. Right. You have to usually wander for longer to find your way back to the right spot. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. So if people are listening today and they're like, how does it show up? Trauma shows up in relationships again, overwhelming, unexpected. One of the examples would be betrayal, right? And so if we're giving them like a practical guide for how to get out of it, what I hear is the first thing is kind of just honoring that that person experienced trauma and not going to a place of making them kind of justified or not justified or arguing about it. I think that's exactly it. If you recall where we started today, which is so much of what is trauma for us is based on a lot of different forces and factors, then you just cannot say to someone whether something was traumatic for them or not. You simply can't because you're not able to know that. It's not even just a politically correct thing. It's just we don't know for someone else what has caused them trauma. Actually, only their nervous system knows. And even then, it's hard enough for us to determine whether it is sometimes, right? So I think you're absolutely right. Point one would be as hard as it is, just accept and assume that what they're telling you is the truth. It is their experience and work with that because to resist that ends up making the process so much more difficult and it takes so much longer. And that is not ever what anyone comes into the office saying, you know what, I want to make this as long as I can make it and as hard as I can make it. We don't do that purposely. It's just that when we experience the trauma reactions and responses, we often don't know what to do with that. And so, you know, we're saying we do the wrong thing and that's all of us. So in this case, point one, also be aware of yourself in that time and space because understanding and really even game planning, visualizing how you respond in those moments helps a lot when they come. And we should say, what's my tendency or what's my typical reaction to this? You know, am I going to be kind of awkward? Am I going to be aloof? Like, what is my tendency here? Exactly. Not only that, but I think it's also important to say the response to trauma and even the process of recovering from trauma is very much a roller coaster, right? Like one minute really feeling dysregulated, another minute feeling okay, not great, but I'm a little bit calmer. And it really goes up and down, up and down. And that is a very normal slash actually healthy process. Yeah, I think we have to just kind of meet the person where they're at. And what I tell my clients too, especially if you're the one that caused the trauma, it is okay to be frustrated in that process, right? So it's okay to say like, hey, I know I caused this. Their response is frustrating to me because I wish I didn't have to deal with it. And like all of that, I think makes good sense. They probably don't want to hear that. That's probably better to talk with a trusted friend or somebody else about it. But just to kind of lean into like, it's not fun for anyone, right? So we can just make space for like, nobody's enjoying that process, but it's only made worse by telling the other person like, you shouldn't do that or you shouldn't feel this way or that's not warranted. So, okay, so we embrace where we're at. We kind of own our part, our typical reaction to that experience. And then what do we do next? So what's the next thing after that? So also keep it in mind context, we understand it is a process and what's really underneath all trauma is loss, right? Grief and loss. And so that process of recovering from grief and loss, no matter what it is, takes time. And so it's okay that it's taking time and it will look like 
we're doing better and then we're doing worse. We're doing better and we're doing worse. I often will equate this to the stock market, right? I'll draw it on the whiteboard. If you step back from it enough, maybe a month or two and you take a look at it, there are steps in progress, then you're moving the right direction. Sometimes you'll see the road and you won't others, right? I mean, yeah. I always think of like, used to drive back and forth from college and sometimes I'd have to pull over because it'd be such a snowstorm. But the thing is like the road was always there. I just couldn't see it. And so I mm -hmm. think just recognize like you're going to have those moments where you're on the side of the road, like the wind is howling and it's snowing and you're like, oh, we can't go, but it doesn't mean the road's not there. You just have to stay on that road and you'll mm -hmm. get there eventually. It's just sometimes you're not going to see it. Which I think is why we're doing this today, because even if you know the road is there, it's sometimes hard to know whether you're not necessarily staying on it, but whether you're actually moving forward, even if it's by inches on that road. And so I hope what people take away from today is this is the road, right? So it is about continuing to repair, continuing to build trust, which we do with transparency and consistency. There's those elements. And a lot of what happens, though, as far as the road is concerned, is understanding that it's a process. It's a longer process than anyone ever wants it to be. And so I know we will often say, whatever you think is the time to recovery, whenever you quote unquote finish this, you need to add quite a bit of time to that because it's going to take longer than you think. I say that not to discourage, but that's a way to know. I think often it's okay. You're on the road. It may seem like you've swerved off, but in reality, it just takes a long time. This is trauma. That's why it takes a long time. So I think having that understanding, that context and framework is really helpful. And then it becomes so much about, I think, the interactions like we're talking about. One thing that we have done a podcast on even is the checking in process, the process whereby you are able to have meaningful conversations in a consistent way because betrayal trauma, especially it's loss, but it's disconnection in a profound way. And so you have to incrementally reconnect, but day by day. And I've found, I don't know about you, it usually has to, at least in the beginning, be done in a formal way because you can't afford for it not to be done. I think it's, the, it's usually the issue. Right. And I always feel like uh, if you've ever watched a bridge being constructed, I mean, that that's a big deal because it's got to carry vehicles and stuff like that. And so there is a very structured way they do that, right? They don't just say, like, I think we'll put a pillar here and we'll put one here and, you know, like, we'll just see what shakes out. Like, that is not how that works. It's very structured. Mm -hmm. And so building trust and kind of working through this is going to be the same way, right? There could be creativity later, but not initially. Initially, it's got to be structured. I agree. And I know people sometimes, we have this belief or fantasy about our relationships that everything is, if it's not spontaneous and organic, then it's not real, but I don't think anything could be further from the truth, especially when it comes to the recovery process. Yeah. When, when it's messy, that doesn't work anymore. Right. I mean, I think people wait for it to be organic. And then unfortunately what happens is it just doesn't happen. And so that's not going to work when it comes to this. I'm not sure that works for anything really, but. No, but so if you're in it, I think the point is just, there's gotta be a plan. Yeah. There's got to be a little bit of strategy and it's going to be something we're going to have to follow consistently. And so for some of us, I'll throw myself in there. Consistency is not easy. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm not sure you're shocked by that. They're like, yeah, it was eight months since the last Again, time we're, you guys were sort of acutely aware of mm -hmm. we, that. But, we got that. But so for some of us, I think the challenge is that's not our strong suit, right? People don't mm -hmm. say, oh, consistent Jason, you know, and he's going to easily do. So I think some of working through the trauma in a relationship is growing up in some of these areas and mm -hmm. saying like, if I'm going to do this well, I'm going to have to get better at some of the things I'm not maybe so great at. 
Yes, I think that's absolutely true. And that's okay. I heard yeah. someone talking about our provisional selves. I mean, we, we try on different ways of being and we can expand. That's the beauty of it. And I think these moments cause the need for expansion, either adding something or at least taking something we possess and, and doing it in greater supply in order to get through a really difficult time. This is, it's just necessitated, I think, in so many ways. Right. Rather than arguing, we don't need to do it, which is sometimes what I hear, right? Is this argument of it's not easy for me, so therefore I don't need to. And that's just not how this is going to work if you want it to work out. No, I agree. I'll put a small plug here for individual trauma work makes a big difference, usually as far as a coupleship is concerned. And that's typically on both people's part. I always appreciate the clients who do individual trauma work in addition to working together to repair the relationship. It's just, you know, if you can do that, approaching it from multiple facets, I think is so helpful. Yeah. I think when you get it for yourself, you can get it for others. I think it would be, even as a therapist, it would be challenging had I not done my own trauma work to then assist other people with the kind of empathy I need to show up Uh, because I just wouldn't be able to relate. Right. And so I think if we can have those people do it. So, okay. So, What's kind of the final step? I mean, obviously, we're not going to cure whatever this is today, but we're trying to give you a little bit of a ladder to get out of this place. To me, the final step is to hold on to expectations loosely, right? Because I Mm -hmm. think sometimes people take this and then they say like, okay, well, we'll just do what they said to do. And then like in a week, this should be okay. And Mm -hmm. that's another stumbling point. Yeah, listen, sometimes in the recovery process, individuals and couples they get hung up and they can get stuck. More often of the time, getting stuck comes from believing that they're stuck when they're really not. It's just that it's taking a lot longer than they thought to your great point about expectations. So I think whatever are the expectations, try to hold them loosely or even try to let them go as far as you can because the process just, it takes a long time. Let's be encouraging about this because I think there really is hope in that information, even though it may sound like it. The hope is that as you are journeying on the road and it's feeling like it's taking a long time, that's okay. That means that you're in the process, you're doing the work, and it's not easy, of course. It's quite difficult. But at the same time, if you keep taking those steps, absolutely, couples recover from betrayal, trauma all the time. And the things that we're talking about, I think, are the things that we have come to understand they're a big part of that recovery process. So in other words, we're talking about the latter, but there is a known process out there that does work. And so you don't have to drive around wondering if you're on the road and all of that, because there's information out there. Yeah. I love that. That's well said. And I think do it together. Like that's what I'd say. Maybe it's longer than you would like for it to take. and, And I get like, that's annoying. Still just do it together. Because I think sometimes what couples do is they, they put all these expectations that then separate them from each other while they're doing mm-hmm. this, right? And so that's like even another injury is to have to do this on your own in isolation when you could have a partner to do it that's with. Very, very good point. It's really turning what is an isolating thing into truly a partnership. And all partnerships are going to have their ups and downs. It's just how that works. All right, well... We're back at this thing. Hopefully we'll keep this going. We do, as always, appreciate all of you for listening and downloading this. We are going to continue, hopefully, to put it out there. If you are helped by anything that you're hearing, we would ask you to tell a friend or let someone know. 
So you want to add anything before we stop? No, feels good. Man, feels yeah. good to put the headphones back on and get to it. So I'm glad to be here. But also just if you're in this season, just know like it's a season. It doesn't have to yeah. be a lifetime. That's um, a good word. But try to be in it together. And if you can pull that off, how long or how short it takes doesn't matter so much if you're doing it together. So I think I would just like try to lean into that. All right. You have been listening to the Inner Process Podcast. Jason and I thank you very much for downloading these episodes and your feedback. We really appreciate that. We do this because we really enjoy it and want to be helpful to as many as we can be. We also want to let you know that we are doing a sex addiction workshop in July of this year, 2022. In case that might apply to you or someone that you love, you can find the details about that at therestorationexperience.com. As always, thank you again for listening to us. If this has been helpful to you, we would just ask that you would leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and share this with a friend. Thank you.